Welcome to Kirsty Alley on The Verge. On today's episode, Kirsty talks about Megan and Harry. She also talks about some of the pets running around her house. Be sure to follow Kirsty on Twitter at Kirsty Alley. Also, follow the show's Twitter at KA on The Verge. And ladies and gentlemen, the host of Kirsty Alley on The Verge, Kirsty Alley. Hello, hello, hello. This is Kirsty back again. Hello. And I'm here with Corey. Hi, Corey. Hi, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm very good. You know, here's one thing that just happened. It was sort of interesting. So we got about 10 minutes into doing the podcast and it was brilliant. I mean, it, I know. it's never been better. It's like you would have just done flips and your heart would have stopped because it was so good. But Corey's in Kansas and there was an earthquake, not kidding. And what fell off, Corey? The uh, external hard drive that saves our uh, that fantastic 10 minutes that you just recorded. And now it's lost in the ether forever. It's gone. That's sick. That's so sad because we were talking about important things. But let's talk about earthquakes in Kansas because, you know, I live in Los Angeles. I just sold my house. We'll get into that. That's sort of exciting. Um, I sold my Los Angeles house. And um, I have to tell you, there's more earthquakes in Kansas than there are in California. I, when I was, let's see, I just spent four months in Kansas. Right. And I feel like there were 20 earthquakes. Yeah. There were a lot and they keep getting bigger and bigger and they kind of stopped all the fracking. They thought that that's kind of what was doing it, but uh, they're still coming. I don't know. I don't know if that's what it was. I don't think I bumped the table. I don't know. I have moved the external hard drive to a more secure location so i don't think you bumped the table every time i turned around when i was in kansas <laughs> over the holidays there was an earthquake it was freaking me out it was one of the reasons see i i'm from kansas so i have a house in kansas and i spend a good bit of time there my dad's there and my family's there so i spend a good bit of time there but i was always freaked out by the earthquakes in los angeles in 1992 92, no, 94 was the big earthquake in Northridge. And I lived fairly close to Northridge and it was horrifying. So I've always been sort of shell-shocked about earthquakes. So I would always feel great in Kansas and not worrisome in Kansas. And, and lo and behold, boom, 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 there's earthquakes every two seconds. And I do think it was from fracking. And I, when you stop fracking, if you've still fractured the earth i think and yeah. it could still be doing it i mean still could have an effect on it so yeah i want to hear you need to tell everybody how about your house you you're sold it selling it almost done well i in la i've been holding out because i raised my kids there and i've lived there for 21 years and i really wanted a family to buy my house and raise their kids there so a lot of flippers looked at it because you know it's a big old house and you know, their philosophy was you could put a couple million dollars into it and sell it for six million more or something like that, which I feel pretty stupid that I didn't come up with that idea. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, so, <laughs> sort of bittersweet. But anyway, so now I do. I have a fairly young couple. They have one kid a toddler and then they have a baby on the way. So that sort of was my dream buyer unless they're big liars and they're hipster house flippers and that's why i'm taking my turtle 
I, I don't think in your area where your house is is a much better area. Your house is uh, perfect, perfect location, perfect on a hill. It's a beautiful house. So it's the most beautiful house in the world, but I'm over it. You know, I'm over Los Angeles. I and I'm not one of those people that complained about Los Angeles. I loved Los Angeles. I loved it. I love all I ever did. Uh, though I would work, you know, I'd go from my house to work, you know, Paramount or Warner Brothers or wherever and back again and there and back again. And I didn't avail myself to all these things that most people move to California. Uh, I'll tell you why. Okay. And a perfect example, if you say, why do you love California? Oh, it's perfect weather all the time, which is pretty true, but I don't like perfect weather. I like four seasons and four definite seasons. So I, so that wouldn't have been why I lived in California. I lived in LA just for work and I started working fairly soon after I got there and I'm sort of a homebody. So it worked for me to go house, work, home, house, work, how long, home. How long did you have that house there? When, 21 years. 21 years. Mm -hmm. I've lived in, I've lived in Los Angeles since 1980. No, I moved there in 1979. So I've lived there a very, very long time, but I have friends, you know, they always complain about LA. Oh, the traffic. Oh, this. Oh, that. Oh, the people are crazy. Oh, blah, blah, blah. I just was never like that. I, I loved my life. I loved my jobs and it's only been recently that, well, one thing is that my kids are out of the house. So it, it felt a little weird to sort of be living in a, my house is like a great big Italian house fake because it's not in Italy, but it was built in <laughs> 1920s. So it is really a cool house and a great place to raise kids and animals. So when the kids aren't there, I mean, I, I sit in the kitchen or go in my bedroom. Where else am I going to do like waltz around and <laughs> I don't know, just sort of flit around the house looking. And, you know, honestly, even when the kids lived there, we were either in the kitchen in the living room, which I never had any furniture in. So it was never really a living room. It's this big, beautiful room, but I never put furniture in it because when they were really little, it was a playroom for them. And they had all these giant stuffed animals in there. And then it turned into, oh, it's been many incarnations. And it would be a gym and I'd put all this gym equipment in there and then I wouldn't <laughs> use that. So then I'd put a I'd dance in there and then I'd done dancing and then they'd have a sound stage, <laughs> whatever the hell, anyway. We sort of always lived in those bedroom, living room, kitchen. And so the other rooms, you know, they were just pretty in there or something like that. But it is bittersweet. I have to say it's very bittersweet because I have, you know, half my lemurs are there. And now I've got to move the lemurs all to one location. And my kids all live where I live now, though. I I'm a resident of Florida now. A lot and, of people are moving there. Have you seen yeah. an influx of traffic and folks and people you don't know? <laughs> if I left my house, I might be able to observe that. <laughs> are things opening up down there? Are they got businesses? And oh, everything? it's open. It is. It's open. Yeah. But, you know, it's sort of like, you know, Wichita, you know, Corey, I think we lost our, we lost our footage about the, uh, why we haven't done any podcasts. So let me just backtrack a second. So I moved basically, I was in Wichita, Kansas. That's where Corey is. 
And we were doing our podcast from there. And then when all the holidays were over, I moved back, you know, went back to Florida. And when I got back to Florida, I was going to have to have a microphone. <laughs> just bear with me because I'm an idiot. So I'm just warning you. I have a microphone here. Corey has a microphone there. And we both have computers where we're looking at each other. It's called Zoom. But our microphones aren't like computer Zoom microphones. We have like fancy ones. But it was just so unreal to me that I could do a podcast with Corey in Wichita and me here. I don't know why I'm like that, except... Well, I am like that because I'm sort of old school. I don't know what we lost. If we have already said this, sorry. <laughs> but I am the kind of person that I'll call my friends in Italy and say, hello. Yeah. How are you guys doing? Okay, cool. Hey, how's the weather? I mean. And they're asking you why you're screaming. They're going, why are you yelling? And I'm like, well, I'm trying to get you to hear me. And they you know, I, you're blowing my ears off. But, you know. A long time ago, 1954, no, a long time ago, if you talk to someone overseas, you had to talk louder. So I'm not that I talked to many people overseas, but when I did, it was you too, you had to be a loud talker. So anyway, my point is the technology is here, but I haven't caught up with the idea of the technology. So it just, it just I, freaks me out. I think the, the people, moving forward won't even know that we're not we're 16 or 1700 miles away they won't even know they'll okay now i just about drowned they'll feel like we're in the same room together okay now i don't now i'm gonna faint (laughs) i'm spinning i'm spinning (laughs) and then we even got you've got some plans for bringing some guests over so we even got a, a spare microphone so those two people can be you two can be there and I'll be here, and you never know. Kelly may. Okay, but that sounds impossible because it'll probably take me three weeks <laughs> to get the confront up to plug in the other microphone. No, I'm just so no. technically stupid that I can't even tell you. Well, you figured I don't, that I out. I don't know anyone who's as dumb as I am about. You, you be proud of yourself. You figured that out, and that wasn't the easiest thing that you figured out, and you did it all by yourself. Wait, I figured out how to plug in the microphone? Yeah, you had to change a whole bunch of settings, too. Give yourself a little credit. <laughs> I'll give myself a little bit on, on technology on the scale from one to eight million is I am a one. It may not be your wheelhouse, but we can we can. No, try. my ne- my grandson's four. It's <laughs> he knows it. And he'll be like, no, no, that's not what that means here. <laughs> give me that iPad. <laughs> and my granddaughter's two and she fans through the, you know, the iPhone like, bow, bow. no, I don't want that one. No, bow, let me go over here. Boom, it's- boom. <laughs> That's how that's how it was, our kids. It's just it's crazy how how well they have adapted to just uh, the iPads and everything. It's it's cool though. So it is cool, but I'm trying. I have just different niches of my different things in my life are very hard to confront. Other things are easy for me. You know, things that are probably phobias that people have. I just don't have them or they'll go, I can't believe that you can work 18 hours a day or I, I can't, they can't believe certain things about what's easy for me to confront. Do you know? Right. If you were, if there was a big catastrophe somewhere, I, I keep a very, a very clear mind, a very sharp mind. I am the best helper you could possibly have until four weeks later when I 
collapse because it's so <laughs> scary. But when it happens, I'm really good. But here's the thing I can't confront because I'm doing, you know, I came here and I'm a resident of Florida now and I have been for like four years, but I'm uh, refurbishing, redoing my, remodeling. I have two houses here. I'm remodeling them both. I'll probably sell one or lease it. I don't know. And then live in the other one. But I have a hard time confronting certain things. Like I was an interior designer. So I'm really good at designing and I'm very good at, uh, you know, furniture and color and all that. But I have no confront if someone has to do anything heavy lifting. The example was I was just in Wichita and I redid my dad's house and they had to, um, the cement was under the cement was leaking in the patios and they said they had to fix it. And to do that, they had to take all the cement out. And I was like, okay. And then they came over and they started taking the cement out. I mean, my God, it was, I just thought it was like a little veneer, but it was, I don't know, 12 or 15 inches deep. And there was rebar and all this stuff. And I can't watch it. It makes me physically want to throw up and faint. (sighs) I can't watch someone lifting incredibly heavy things. Why, why do you think that is? I don't know. I maybe the only thing I can think of is like when I think about the worst scenario would be building a pyramid um, back in the day <laughs> when people were building pyramids, with those huge slabs. <laughs> and I think, think that people were very expendable. So I think if you were somehow had to tote that up the, hill or whatever and it would fall and smash you all it would just be like next yeah bring in those guys yeah bring them over here so i have a feeling i mean maybe i was a pyramid builder and i got smashed i definitely wasn't the king or some tut or something you maybe moved I wasn't hi- you moved enough in your previous life yeah well i don't think i was hierarchy <laughs> i you know i can recall bajillion past lives and i i just i mean you'd like to think of yourself as being someone <laughs> you know, you'd like to be, oh, Queen Victoria. Oh, I, I, you know, like something fancy. I think more of my track of past lives had to do with, I don't know, building things and getting smashed or something. Anyway, it's just a weird phenomenon that I have. So on the days that people come to tear up things, demo, and they're demoing really heavy things. I can't watch them. And you know, when they bring in the counters, like the marble counters, tops and stuff, Yeah, I, I just feel like, I, I don't know. I have to run and hide. Speaking of like hierarchy, you mentioned the Egyptians and King Tut. Did you happen yeah. to watch uh, Harry interview with Oprah? Does he remind you of King Tut? <laughs> I, I saw a question that you posed on Twitter, and that just what uh, you're always spying on me. I am spying on you. I, that's what made me think of it. Did you, what, what I want to hear uh, well, your God, thoughts. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Did you see it? I watched um, in passing. Kelly was watching it, mm-hmm. and I was uh, doing some work in the background and walking around, and to the point where it was about probably 25 or 30 minutes in, I could not take it anymore, and I had to. I had to move. What was your take? Why couldn't you take it? I felt as if I didn't a hundred percent believe what she was saying. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's a real complex mixed bag of tricks because I, I saw the whole thing and I, um, I had very mixed feelings about it. Um, I mean, 
I I could understand the no privacy, the, um, you know, I'm not so sure. It's sort of historically known that if you enter into the realm of monarchies, you you aren't necessarily going to be readily accepted unless you're from some other monarchy. You know, so many uh, things over the centuries of are, you know, match made because of money and things, you know, matchmakers made it, you know, you're going to marry so-and-so princess of Monaco and you're going to marry the Duke of wherever. And you're, you know, it's sort of like matchmaking and it has a lot to do with, if you look historically, keeping bloodlines, um, you know, basically we call it incest, but other people call it bloodlines. Um, and, also making sure that the person, someone, the family they marry into is of a certain caliber. I mean, that's no secret. You can study history all you want and you find it all over the place. You know, one country will sort of whore out <laughs> one of their <laughs> princesses to another country. And then it sort of saves the day for the guys who sort of went bankrupt over there and France and needed a new prince or princess castle thing, you know, but so I was sort of, I have, here's my base. Here's my final thought on the whole thing. And then we can go backwards from there. My final thought is this. If you have anything to do with a monarchy or you're part of a family, that's a monarchy. I think your obligation has to be much higher than to yourself or your own personal needs. If I were going to marry into a family, like let's say, I was going to marry into that family. First of all, I would expect that I wouldn't necessarily be treated with open arms, especially if I was an actor, do you know? (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) and I am an actor. So I would say like, yeah, they're going to be like, I don't know. So, um, and also I would know that, you know, it's the greatest good for the greatest number. And although you don't love everything that's going on, you could sort of predict. I mean, all you have to do is, you know, we have computers now. Really, all you have to do is look at the past 30 years of Britain's monarch. All, that's all you have to do. And you will see who did what, where, you know, what their schedules were. Their schedules are sort of crazy, you know, and you go to this country and that country and this benefit and that benefit. And, you know, you're sort of the figureheads more than the actual ruling government. So you're the figureheads. So your place is to be seen and... um sort of like the cheerleaders <laughs> for for the people and to keep the morale high and that that would be viewed what am i going to do that's the greatest good for the greatest number my own personal happiness would not have a lot to do with taking on that position for me i might i might decide not to take on that position and become part of that family but if I did, I would know what I was getting into. There's no ifs, ands, or buts that you should not know what you're getting into. So I feel like when she was speaking, it was things that should have been known that you should have expected. I don't I don't believe the naivety because there's too much, you know, you have the whole history of Diana and what happened to Diana or didn't, ha- or Diana thought happened to her or did happen to her. But you have all of these stories and you I don't think it would be hard to find out what your job was going to be and how your life was going to be. Yes, I I think that she was trying to play this. I'm this little dumb bunny who just fell in love with this guy, which you really can't 
I mean, you can kind of choose who you fall in love with to a certain point, but you know, I think that she felt that it was going to be just cake and not have to do much, but it obviously wasn't. And because of the reasons you just explained there, I think that she, because you are the root, you are the monarchy of, of the Commonwealth. You are not, you have to look at the greatest good. You're not looking, you don't have the luxury to, when she was speaking about how sad she was and, you know, I'm not saying I don't have empathy, but I, you know, when she said she was suicidal and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. So what's happening here? I always look for this. Where does a person take responsibility themselves? So where did she take responsibility for what she was getting into? It wouldn't be hard to figure out what your life would be before you marry a prince. It also, he, his life was very, and right, you know, rightfully so when he was talking, he said, you know, you see what you think we, what we do, but that's not true. I don't think, you know, I'm an actor. Maybe it's because I'm an actor. If I go to a premiere, I'm not, and they go, how are you doing? I'm not going to go, I'm really fucked up, man. I mean, my fuck. I know, I know my mo- I, wait, hold on. I know my movie is, you know, this is the premiere of my movie, but dude, like, oh my God. I'm so fucked up. My mother is just so mean. <laughs> Do you know? Yes. Of course, your your PR is in. Your, if I'm going to promote a movie, then I I have to act a certain way. If I'm going to go to a country, you know, help people or go to charitable events and things like that, of course, I'm going to be dazzling and charming and and helpful and all those things that would be actually part of my job. I'm not going to. So it didn't make sense to me that, or it doesn't make sense to me that you couldn't readily find out what your plight in life was going to be like. Yeah, I thought it was just, I, I, like I say, I only watched like 30 minutes of it, so it wasn't that big of a, 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 a deal to me. But I, it, it's, I, I don't understand everybody in America cares so much about the royal family. I can't wrap my brain around that, like... I, I don't think they do. According to Twitter here, when I just put out the question because I thought it, it was a mixed bag of tricks for me. There were times when I felt empathetic. There were times when I felt sympathetic. There were times when I felt like, oh, my God, what have you done? Can you take responsibility for any of this? I also come from the school of thought. And a lot of people on Twitter, when I asked the question, what did you think of it? were thinking the same thing. I, I, I just feel like you don't air your dirty laundry. I, and I don't feel like it's my place, especially in a magnitude like that. You have an entire Commonwealth. And I actually do think kind of depending on the monarchy to keep a certain amount of, I I guess you would say heritage and history and um, what would you call that more? Like, (sighs) There's a comfort zone, I would think. I don't live there, so I don't know. But I would have a comfort zone to know this is Buckingham Palace. This is, you know, this is that royal family. You know, we've watched them grow up. We've watched them. There's a certain kind of calmness and a certain kind of um, just historical happiness that I think goes along with that from the point of view, people looking on, you know, it's, it's an example. An example is they, when they got married, they didn't elope, right? They had a wedding with 8 billion freaking people that show, were shown across the world. Uh-huh. 
So you know that's going to happen with your life. So I, I just go back to it, not in this day and age. You're not some hillbilly or bumpkin that lives in, you know, a little place in France 600 years ago and you have this arranged marriage and then you get there and they didn't like you so well. I mean, she wasn't imprisoned. <laughs> she wasn't, <laughs> in, you know, thank God it's not the days when they cut your heads off. <laughs> it was like, and so I felt like, you know, we don't get the security and we don't get this. Well, freaking get a job and pay for security guards. I'm not saying that you wouldn't be upset that you weren't availed security, but the chronology was out for me. I didn't understand that. Is this, you know, did they say you're not going to have security after they said, we're only going to come over here and work part time or be part time royalty? <laughs> because if they did, that made sense to me. They're like, you know, look, you're either in or you're out. You can't be halfway. You're not. And if you're out, you have to take care of your own security. And we can't feel really sorry for people who. I mean, I can't. I, I'm not. Again, I felt empathy, but I. We can't feel sorry for people who live in 14 million dollar homes and who have had all everything that he has had and everything. She's had a good life, too. You know, she's had a good acting career. She's made money i'm sure she had things that she dreamed of and wanted and and we all have children who that we want to be kept safe right <laughs> yeah don't you want your child to be safe yeah and i'm mad i don't have security <laughs> but you do you are your security or you do what you do look i'm an actor if i went certain places with my kids i hired security and then other times they weren't a threat and and rightfully so i'm sure that they had maybe other kinds of threats that i don't even can't fathom i mean i've had many kinds of threats that were like you know i'm going to kill you i'm going to this i'm going to that that's enough for me <laughs> to hire security and i'm sure that they have a lot of threats but you know it's like he said during the interview well you know i'm my my mother left me a lot of money so I'm paying for the security. I'm like, good, man up, dude. Pay for the security. Correct. But yeah. you, again, when you decide you're going to go out on your own, I mean, of course, you go out on your own when you're 18. And, but, and it's all, but it's sort of all relative, you know? If I leave my house at 18 and my mom and dad go, okay, so we're not paying for your rent. We're not paying your bills. You, you got to pay for your car insurance. You got to do this. You're like, what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, he couldn't have chosen, obviously, that he was born into that. But he made the conscious decision to leave the, the family. So uh, he needs to man up after that. And uh, then talk about and them. Then, and, you know, and then it didn't make sense because he goes, you know, I love my grandmother. I talk to her all the time. We're very close. I love my brother. We're, we're very close. I love – and I'm like, why are we – then why are you having this – why are we watching this? And I'm not really totally fascinated by them, but I was fascinated because I wanted to hear Oprah interview them. You know, Oprah has been a – Oprah was so helpful in my life so many ways. She probably doesn't even know it, but she, she helped me – she just helped me, uh, you know, when I was fat. I just got fat, and then I was like, oh, I'm fat. I'm... <laughs> she was like, you know, come on the show, talk about being fat. I mean, you know, it, I don't know. It was sort of cathartic. It helped to talk about being fat, and then it, because it didn't make me feel sorry for myself. 
Yeah, she's. It made me when I was talking to Oprah about being fat. I was like, I guess we just get fat because we eat too much, right? There's not a big mystery here. Yeah, she's really no, good. I, she's a really good interviewer. She she can be uh, uh, your best friend for a part of the interview, and then flip the script and really ask those. She's not afraid to ask those tougher questions that she needs to. She wants everybody thinks they need want to know the answer to. Right. And I appreciate it. I appreciated that. I, you know, I, I also the, I don't know the, you know, the part about, you know, I'm suicidal. I don't want to live. I blah, 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 blah. And that's, I hope that'll help people. I don't know that that's going to help people. I don't know that it's going to, it feels a little dangerous to me that I don't know that you say I'm suicidal. I have, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to live. And I don't quite get where telling the world that is going to make somebody who's living in Pacoima making 40 grand a year and has five kids and they're depressed and they don't know what to do. I don't know how that's going to really make them feel better. I don't also know... I get, see, but I don't know the protocol being, you know, when she was explaining it, it sounded like she wanted to go to a shrink and inside the, whatever they were calling it, I can't remember. Uh, they wouldn't let her do that. I don't know if that, but see, it was sort of vague in those things. And it was also, I love, I'll tell you the part that I love that Oprah did. And one of the reasons I really admire Oprah, but she never got an answer, um, was who told you that? Who said that to you? Because then she's trying to get her to be specific, you know, and then she and a lot of it was Harry was in talking to somebody and then Harry told me that. So it boiled down to basically Harry told her that or some other, you know, I don't know if they're staff members or what they are, but they somebody like that told her that. But and then Oprah kept saying, well, who is the person that said that? And she would. She made it seem like she was in direct contact talking to the queen, but that isn't really true. She wasn't. That's not who was she. It was hearsay. Do you know? Yes. And maybe it was true. I don't know that there's any reason to lie about certain things, but I also, I just felt like, how does that help anybody? How does that help the monarchy? How does that help, uh, well, it didn't. It, it didn't do. That... It didn't do the them any favors. It didn't didn't do the royal family any favors. I think that she was. I. I it seems to me that she came off as a, a a fairly selfish person, and she was doing it. She wanted people to not be mad at her any longer, or think she's an idiot, or I, I think I, she's done the wrong thing, or think that's what I'm saying though. But I don't think you have that luxury when you enter into one of those kind of families. I feel like, again, I feel like you know what you're getting into nowadays. So you would know, and she's of an age. She's not 16 or 18. She's of an age. She could know what she's getting into. And when you get into that and you've willingly gotten into it, I can't grasp what the what was going to come good because it didn't, for me, it didn't shed a good light on them. It didn't shed, you know, on Harry or her. It didn't shed a good light on the uh, monarchy. It didn't shed. It sh- I don't know what the purpose gained was. Yeah, I, I don't either. And that's the thing is I everybody was so 
always so uh, wrapped up in the royal family, and I've never got it. I, I, <laughs> I think fairy tales has something to do with it, you know. I was never wrapped up in the monarchy, and but when she married him, I was actually very happy for her, and I watched the wedding, and I remember I cried. I remember I was like, wow, she looks beautiful. They look beautiful. I love that they added gospel songs. I love that she had a different kind of minister. I... I, I was very, very moved and happy for them. And after I saw this, I it shattered that for me. I was not that that makes any difference that I'm shattered. I, I don't mean that way that I'm shattered, but I was like, whoa. I what? think. And along the way, as we've been hearing, oh, well, they're going to go to Canada. Okay, now they're going to stay there. Well, they just want to do part time. You know, they want to be part time Duke and Duchess. They want to be. You know, part, and then it started getting weirder and weirder, and now we're fully out. But they didn't give us money. We have to also remember, don't we? Isn't isn't the monarchy funded by the Commonwealth? I think it's yeah, by the taxpayers there. And the yes, okay. So I would expect if I wasn't going to be doing my duties as a princess, and I was just going off in life. I mean, maybe the family, you, maybe you have a family inheritance, but if you don't and it's like, why would you expect to be given millions of dollars or endless protection or. OK, so one thing that I did, which I saw on Twitter and then I then I went on it was um, they're called the behavior panel and they analyze people's behaviors um, probably sometimes for the government or sometimes for big corporations etc. You know, I'm not real jiggy with psychologists or psychs. Um, I don't know if they're psychologists. I don't think they're psychiatrists. But anyway, they are behavior analysts. And there's a panel of these four guys. I found it very interesting because when we've been having this conversation, Corey, I keep trying to articulate what I observed when I was watching this interview with Megan and Harry. And you know, as I say, I'm not being articulate enough. I'm not being articulate enough. I'm not explaining this well enough. And I noticed that these guys who do this for a living are articulate enough and they they do sort of describe what's happening. So these four guys each start speaking, you know, they'll show a clip of the, the show and then they speak to it and they give their view and analysis of, you know, it's sort of like if something's true or false. And, you know, there used to be a show on TV called... Oh. Lie detector, or liar, liar, or I don't remember what it was. It wasn't lie detector, but it was—I don't know what it was. It was like a few years ago, and it didn't last very long. And I lied to me. Maybe that's what it was. I don't know what it was. Anyway, it was really good, and I got really interested in these guys that analyze the body language of people or the way they speak when they're lying versus the way they speak when they're telling the truth or if they're just really nervous or whatever. But it's something that we probably all kind of perceive. And I realized when I was listening to them, they were mostly saying the same things that I was perceiving and couldn't articulate. So anyway, I think you should, you should check it out. It's called uh, the behavior panel. They're on YouTube. Um, and this one is, the interview with Megan and Harry. Um, of course, they had a lot of other things to say besides, you know, like the way someone moves their legs or which way they look when you ask them a question. And But in a nutshell, it came down to what we're talking about here is that my overall viewpoint was she's portraying herself as a victim. 
And I don't think that's a good thing. And the other thing is portraying herself as someone just had no idea what she would be getting into. And I think that's false. So at the end, I just realized when I was listening to these guys too, and this is good for everybody because we all sort of have an innate ability to perceive and to observe if we will do it. Um, it sounds easy to say, well, we just need to observe. That's maybe one of the hardest things in the world that people actually don't do a lot because we'll dub in, you know, we'll be, you know, if you, someone said, if I say, I love you and you go, yeah, I love you too. And then we'll dub in. Yeah. Well, he really does really love me. He's just saying love you too, because he's in a hurry. <laughs> and Maybe that's true on Monday, but let's say if I say, I love you and you say, love you too. And you do that consistently, I would say, okay, he doesn't really love me. <laughs> it's like, that's like things guys say to girls when they just want to have sex and the girl goes, I love you. And they go, I love you. You know, like, see you soon. Love you more. Oh, that one. I yeah, love I, you more. Don't ever say love you. <laughs> when I hear someone go, if I go, I love you. And I'm, ha I'm not talking about me because I haven't. I have actually said it to people. I love you. And they go, love you more. And I'm like, shut up. That's like <laughs> saying, did you like the way I decorated this room? Yeah, it's out of the box. Like, Fuck you. Anyway, yeah. I, I want you to listen. I want you to listen to these guys because I feel like it's interesting and I might subscribe to them because I, I want to see, you know, they interrogate people all the time. And, um, there's something very interesting about the life of interrogators. I thought that the good part that I watched for the first, you know, you told me about it, so I watched a, a few minutes of it, and I thought that, you know, they all had, um, there were some points where they disagreed, and they had some good points on why they disagreed, and um, they, they went on from there. So it wasn't just four guys sitting around all agreeing that she was lying. Some of the guys, at one of the guys actually believed her uh, on one or two of the parts, but the other guys said no here's here's why here's why here's why so um, yeah they aren't throwing down though yeah but if i was if it was me and three other gals and we were talking halfway through i'd be like no fuck you no that has <laughs> nothing to do with that and they'd be like shut up you don't even know what you're talking about your legs are always crossed your lip is always curled your eyes are always closed you're supposed to be looking left you're looking right you're an idiot <laughs> yeah i i think but, the, don't you think it's interesting because they well, when you get further into it, they're talking about like the interviews with Scott Peterson as an example and things that he did. So they'll get a baseline of this is what made sense to me. They get a baseline of how you talk normally when you're just shooting the shit, I guess. And you're just talking and your hand motions and the way you position your body, your eyes, stuff, stuff like that. So they get the baseline and then these things that you do when you become uncomfortable or you're lying or you don't know the answer, but you're pretending to know the answer, which is sort of a form of lying. Um, or, you know, like, did you sleep with him? And, you know, in my mind, I might be like, well, we didn't really sleep. And so you could answer the question like, no, I did not. And then the next question should be, well, did you have sex with him? What are you talking about? Maybe. Uh, I don't know. But I, I also like the way they'll analyze. They analyzed Oprah asking questions and when you should did let you? someone. Whoops. Sorry. <laughs> Press the wrong and button. when you <laughs> Oprah, you know, when you could let someone 
not hang themselves, but talk longer and you'll get more out of them, you know? Yes. Yes. That's, 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 I, I was just looking to see who all they've uh, analyzed. They did Scott Peterson, um, who killed his wife, allegedly, or he's in jail for. And then they uh, also did that Chris Watts uh, from Colorado who killed his <sighs> entire family, or his wife and kids. They did him. And then they did Jody Arias also. She's, uh, she's an interesting uh, <laughs> lady. And, you well, know, no, when they're doing this, are they doing like they're analyzing a video of them or they're they're actually interviewing them first? It looks like they they like you said, start with a baseline. So they'll see when they're actually just kind of talking and then they'll go to like the police interviews and then they'll go uh, with regular interviews. Uh, like in they're the, not interviewing the guys and then do. No, no, no. I want them to interview me. They're, and I want to have like five lies, right? Okay, <laughs> here's my big dream. This is my bucket list dream for the day. My dream is that they interview me and I have five things I lie about and five things I'm telling the truth about. <laughs> then they analyze it and they can tell me when I was lying or when I was telling the truth. That would be and a then, very, that would be a cool thing to do. Like we could tell the audience what you're lying about, and then they can go in there, and we can have them analyze what you're saying. And see I wonder if they'll know it by this. Like, ask me a question. <laughs> okay, let's pretend like this is a, okay. So, a lie is I've only been married. If I said I've only been married once, that's a lie, right? Correct. Okay, so no. Ask me if how many times I've been married. How many times have you been married? <laughs> once. <laughs> once. <laughs> I wonder if they'll know I'm lying because I'll start laughing when they ask me the, the lie question. See, they, I'd have to be, I'd have to be more actory and really, yeah, I don't know. Uh, wouldn't you that just go be once? Sort of, Next question. What? <laughs> that, I, the way yeah, that, I'd look, I'd look straight forward and go once. They, they were saying with uh, Megan how quick she would answer or how long it would take her to answer. I mean, these guys really analyzed that that stuff and uh, they 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 appear to be really good at it in the first you know few minutes that I watched it. Yeah, well they I'm not quite through it yet because um I don't know, I was feeding my squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's hear but, about well, let's hear about the squirrel. You were going to let's talk oh, about the squirrel. Oh, my squirrel. Okay, so I was sitting outside with um my son and his wife and my two grandkids and now, as I'm talking, I'm thinking about these guys analyzing me. And they'll go, it's really weird if someone doesn't use people's names. Okay, so I was sitting outside with Sarah and True. But maybe doesn't everybody doesn't know who Sarah and True is. So we're trying to introduce them. Son, daughter-in-law, and two kids. Anyway, I hear, me, me. Now, no one else heard it. And it was, it was more, it wasn't like a meep and another meep. It was, meep. And then you wouldn't hear anything for like a minute. And I go, what is that? That's the weirdest bird sound. Is that a bird? And people go like, what? They go, that sound like me. <laughs> so anyway, they kept talking and playing and no one could hear it. But I have supersonic hearing and I hear me. And so I start walking around the yard and I, I have a pretty big yard over here. And there was this tiny baby squirrel and his eyes were open and everything. So that means he was like probably four weeks old. Um, and he'd fallen, I later found out, he'd fallen out of a palm tree that's 40 feet high at my house. Jeez. And he'd broken his top teeth out, so he had blood on his face, right? So he let me just pick him up and 
sort of cold. So I, I mean, I know how to handle some, you know, baby animals. I've raised a lot of raccoons and other baby animals. So I brought him in. I got him on a heating pad and he wouldn't eat from me. And I had gotten Esbalac for him. And that's a simulated bitch's milk that you feed baby. Anyway, <laughs> wouldn't take it. And I was sort of freaking out. And um, so I Googled squirrel experts <laughs> and it came up Henry's Pets. And that Henry's Pets is a company that sells squirrel supplies, but they're squirrel experts. So I, I was lucky and I got hold of the owner and I said, oh, my God, I have this baby squirrel. And I took videos of him and and, you know, she was being really nice and cool with me and, you know, helping me. And I go, this looks pretty bad. And she's like, oh, he's going to be OK. He's going to be OK. She's later admitted that he was in critical condition and would have died any <laughs> second. But she goes, she sort of walked me through this. And I remember the next morning he ate the he had the formula and it was like you know meeting like a christ child is born i was i i always say that's what it feels like with the baby animal once they start living you know so anyway i named him birdie he had everything he's had everything that you could have his teeth were knocked out and then he got dehydrated and he almost died then he got hyperglycemic hypo hyperglycemic maybe it's hypo i don't know um whatever it was, he didn't have enough sugar in his body. So then I called my, and my vet and this person that owns Henry's pets and myself. So we're this triangle of people trying to save this little guy's life. And I'm thinking he looks swell, you know, and every time I'd send a video, Lee, that's the person from uh, Henry's pets would go, yeah, well, he needs to be a little bit sleeker looking, you know, like <laughs> her subtext is really saying, yeah, he's going to die, and he's like, but okay. <laughs> anyway, so then we got him subcutaneous fluids from my veterinarian because he was getting dehydrated. This went on for about, I say, three weeks, and then he started really coming around, you know? And now I have this full-fledged, awesome, his name is Birdie, squirrel, who probably can't be released into the wild unless his teeth grow in on the top. And I don't know if you know this, Corey. I don't know how many rodents you raised, but zero rabbits, squirrels, <laughs> um, uh, mice, rats. Okay, so their teeth keep growing. So there is a possibility his teeth will come back in, and then I can rehabilitate him and release him. But I don't know if it's looking so good that his teeth come in and – the reason he would die in the wild would be that his bottom teeth would keep growing up, up, up. And they wouldn't be ground down by the the top ones. Oh, so what and do you have to do? do you then have he to would like die. That his teeth would grow into his face, and he would die. That's by the look on your face. I don't think this is the most interesting. <laughs> I, I don't think know. this is as interesting I, to you as <laughs> the uh, profilers. <laughs> I didn't know that if uh, you didn't file. So what do you have to do? File the squirrel's teeth down if he keeps growing. Well, they, you the give them a lot teeth. of sticks and stuff, and if they if they chew on them, if they're you want them to become gnawers, so they gnaw on things, and then that'll take care of it themselves. It's like, but in the wild, if he if you couldn't handle it, let's say it didn't cut them down enough, then you would have to have them sort of filed down. Which what a horrible thought that is. But 
I had a rabbit once named Strawberry, and that had that had to be done because Strawberry's bite was off. <laughs> you know what people say to me? I have this person that works for me, and I said, you know, I just have to really think about this because maybe a rehabber or a person has another squirrel, and they can live together because uh, this is a this is something I've been thinking about a lot like a lot lately. I'm seventy. I turned seventy this year, and squirrels can live like 26 years right so geez really yeah so i started thinking hold up here. Oh, wait a minute <laughs> you know i have lemurs and they can live like 26 years 30 maybe and i thought now wait a minute i have to really think this out and this is how you know when you're old not old you're older where you really have to decide whether you can get a pet because you don't want it to outlive you. And then your family decides my mother was a crazy bat shit, crazy <laughs> with her lemurs and her fucking squirrel and we don't want them. And then what do they do with them? You know, I mean, I hope my children are merciful and they don't dump them in some <laughs> zoo or <laughs> I don't know, because like, you know, I'm moving, I sold my house in uh, California did we talk about my turtle? No, no, we haven't talked about the turtle. Okay, yet. and I know you're not interested in this, and you don't really even have to listen, because there's <laughs> got to be somebody listening that's interested in animals. <laughs> but, okay, so we have this turtle that just appeared like five or six years ago. We named him Grump, because he sort of acted grumpy in the beginning, but there, on, on that property, there's a little pond, and I mean it's little, you know, 10 feet by, well, I don't know, 14, little. And he was in the pond, and then... On the property, on my property, there's, it's it's from the 1920s, and they made this sort of, it's all sort of like a lazy river that goes down the hill um, with water, then it goes in the pond, then it recirculates, you know, it's sort of cute, uh -huh. pretty, right? So, and then at the top of that, there's a swimming pool that has nothing to do with the pond, but there's a swimming pool. So, Grump, every day, walks from the pond up the lazy river <laughs> and then he jumps in the swimming pool and he's super friendly you know he swims around in the pool and if you go if you go over he comes over and greets you if you walk along the pool he swims along with you we have a couple of dogs that they'll go up to him and he'll go nose to nose with them and he follows them around the pool he's like super friendly how big is Grout? So, Grump is big. Grump is like, uh, he's a red-eared slider. He's, um, I'm going to say he's almost 12 inches long and about eight inches wide. Wow. So he's big, you know, and, but he's also super friendly. So the people that bought my house are talking about renovating it. So I've got to take Grump here too. So now I'm going to have all these lemurs, two dogs, two cats, did you, two birds. Did you release your duck into the wild back? Or is he still? No. He's still no, with you. He's not. She. She is not. She died about a month ago. Oh no! I'm sorry. I know it was weird, and she wasn't old enough. I mean, I've had her for a long time, but she wasn't really old enough. I think she became <laughs> egg bound. I kept researching and finding out what happened. This doesn't make any sense. And sometimes these animals just have something that you don't know anything about till you encounter it and research it, and they die fast. If they get egg, if they get egg bound, then it binds against their intestines. And anyway, it's, it's terrible. Oh. But 
Um, she had a good long life, actually. But I, knowing my animals, you know, my animals hang in there. I, I had a cat named Isaiah, and he was about 17, and he was really, he got, you know, he was dying. So his body was shutting down, and every night I would pet him and pet him, and I'd go, I love you, I love you, you can go now, it's okay, because sometimes animals will just hang on, like people do, because they haven't they have unfinished business or they didn't really get to say goodbye so every night i'd go i love you you can go now and i get up in the morning and know he'd be dead and he'd be alive and this went on for like four months <laughs> and i would i would you know that's the dilemma do you do you put an animal down i don't want to be put down unless i am in pain and want to be put down i don't know about you yeah I want to no. make that decision for myself. I don't want it. And people go, I know people that have animals and at the smallest thing that happens to them when they're older, that oh, well, we have to go put them down. I'm like, why? Uh, I don't know. They're sort of stinky and they're old and they're, I like, yeah, well, you might be stinky and old someday. <laughs> so I, I don't put an animal down and I put very few down unless they were in excruciating pain that is not going to change. Right. That's my criteria. Well, that's good. And all from the squirrel. And you have a dog. That's all I have is one dog. Yes. I know. That's, that's it. why I don't even know why I'm talking to you. I I, I mean like, I I mean I'm I would consider myself an animal lover, but as if I saw a squirrel that fell from the tree, I probably I don't know, I'd probably just let nature take its course. You mean like an osprey would fly down and eat it? <laughs> but do you know there's some, I, I know, you know, I, the, I, I, that, that's someone that works for me said, I would just do the same. I was like, oh my God. And I'm telling you, you need to watch it when you take baby animals to rehabs. You know, people will go, oh, you've got to get it to a rehab because they'll take good care. Well, I got news for you. Some rehabs with squirrels like that or something, they would feed them to the raptors they have at the <laughs> rehab also. Oh, no, yeah, we'll not even kidding. It. We'll take it. <laughs> yeah, we'll take it. Don't worry. He's going to be fine. Chomp, chomp. Food, you know, food for grumps. Yeah, so you... <laughs> God. I don't know where I'm going to put grumps because I don't really have a lazy river or a swimming pool he can walk to. <laughs> and not drown. You know what I mean? I'm trying to... So I think I'm going to have to build him a small pond. But then... But see, he has a small pond and then he likes to walk to the pool. So I'm thinking maybe I could take him over to the pool here but it's not really a walk maybe he'll like the it. ocean no he wouldn't like the ocean because he's not a saltwater guy <laughs> you never know why would how would you how would you know he liked the pool because it's water and it's not salt water so he's not gonna croak <laughs> <laughs> But he, I mean, and a friend of mine said, well, there's tons of ponds here. Just le release him. These are people that do not. They're like me. Have a lot of, they have a dog. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have baby raccoons. No. Squirrels, no. lemurs. No. You don't have cats. No. Even. Why no don't way. you have cats? No way. I don't like cats. Cats make me sneeze. <gasps> I, okay. I mean, I like people that. People We're breaking can, up. People can okay. have their cats, but. Not they're not for me. Tell me why. What is the deal? Why don't you like cats? Cats every time you like walk into a room are like, God, you're an asshole. That's what I think cats think about me. 
and well, I don't they might need, if you don't like cats. I don't need that negative energy in my <laughs> my life. <laughs> but have you ever owned a cat? Uh, yes, my well, my sister did. It was by proxy. I was uh, when I was growing up, my little sister had a cat. And did you like it? No, no, I'm, we didn't. We didn't get along. We weren't on good terms. As soon as we are done with this, I'm calling your sister because I'm sure you, this isn't, there's not, because here's the thing. Every guy that I know that doesn't like cats, then when they've had a cat of their own, they like cats. I don't just need one of their own. No, no, I don't. I don't need one. I, 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 I'm good. I'm good with a dog or two dogs. Do you need a squirrel with no teeth? (sighs) Probably not. I don't want to, I, I, I'll let you work on, on birdie. (laughs) <laughs> well now birdie is he's sort of is my bestie now you know and that's a little i thought about that last night i went to a party and then i came home and i got him out and we were running around like oh and i realized this is my best friend <laughs> <laughs> and then in the room next to me um is one of my lemurs because my this lemur had gotten hurt about two years ago um by another lemur they can be evil with each other who bit off her finger. So to recuperate, I brought her into my bedroom and there's an open bathroom that hooks to my bedroom and I put her in there. And so she had the run of my bedroom basically. And then that house had to be remodeled so she couldn't be in there anymore. So I moved her into a room in a house next door to it. And so now she was, seeming like sort of sick so the vet ran all a million tests on her but i moved her into my room in this little cottage i'm in while i'm remodeling i think i'm going to film this remodel because it'll make more sense but anyway so i have a little guest house that's where i'm living while this remodeling is going on so in that room next to me is bijou and that's one of my lemurs and um, i think she was just hated i think she liked living in my bedroom so much and then when she had to get moved, she wasn't doing well. You know, it's like people. She didn't so, like to move. So in my room, here's my room, and in there is my squirrel running around, and That's... next room over is my lemur jumping off the walls. So I feel like somebody's breaking in every 15 minutes, like, bam! And I'm like, oh, my God! Oh, yeah, uh, uh. But... <laughs> so, so the squirrel's just, like, running around your house? No, he can't run around your house really that way. Do you have like- for his own safety? But I mean, you know, there's pooping and stuff, so we don't do that. So what I do is, I cover up my bed. Now he's a baby, remember that? But I cover up my bed with um, the white quilt, and then I have these cat trees around it, and then he plays while I'm writing something. You know, I'm writing a, a series, so he, I'm writing and he's playing. And he does that about, I let him play for about an hour, a couple of times a day. And then the rest, he's kind of in a big compartment. Contain, he's in a, but now he's got a big, get a big cage. But I don't feel like you could get a cage big enough for a squirrel. You no. know, I mean, his, and his cousins and relatives are right outside my window. I mean, one of them's probably his mother. Well, they're probably jealous. Hey, I want to go in there, <laughs> that lady. <laughs> She gives us watermelon for treats. <laughs> oh my god! I think yeah, I think they're jelly. <clears throat> well, you know the th- funny thing is that 
I've met a lot of what I consider animal people, you know, and they're very specific to an example is there's primate people that love monkeys and lemurs and things like that. Then there's people that love big cats um, and, you know, lions and tigers and all the animals like that. And then people who love reptiles and it doesn't usually go across the board where you love and want all of them. It's sort of, you know, I sort of start, I've always been a monkey lover <laughs> since I was born. <laughs> and my grandfather promised me that when I was seven, he would buy me a monkey. And then my grandfather died when I was seven, so I didn't get a monkey. So at that time, I decided, well, you know, you're going to have to grow up, make some money, and buy your own monkeys. <laughs> Did you ever get to meet Michael Jackson's monkey, Bubbles? I did not. I mean, I met Michael Jackson. That was <laughs> odd enough without meeting his monkey. I'm sure that Bubbles wasn't as wackadoodle as. I just remember he used to take that Bubbles like everywhere, like on the red carpet with him. I know, but th that beautiful little chimpanzee. You know, there's certain animals. It it's funny that captivity thing because I'm friends with Jane Goodall, who is the world's leading expert on. Um, chimpanzees and you know in the wild studied them in the wild for I don't know how long decades and you know there's this debate about should all animals be free or should there be zoos or should there be and I over the years have come to the conclusion that the only way you really interest people in saving species and also along with the species, possibly saving the land. Uh -huh. And uh, as an example would be Madagascar. You know, if you have interest in lemurs and you understand about lemurs, it gives you a special affinity for Madagascar. It's the only place that they naturally are. And then you could help with reforestation. You could... Um, you could assist the people and think products that they could sell and help them be sustainable. So there, these things are linked more than people think they're linked. And sometimes people will say, well, you know, your lemur should be wild and free, but that gives people the impression that they're just running around happy as little clams. You know, it's like my squirrels in my yard, they're wild and free till an osprey flies down and eats it. You know, with the, the world is, it's harsh. An animal world is harsh. You know, big birds of prey kill lemurs. Baby lemurs fall out of trees all the time and kill themselves when they're babies. So if you, I do feel like the real purpose of zoos, good zoos, I'm going to qualify that, good zoos where the animals are happy and healthy and I think it's really uh, a vital. It's vital for people to get to know them and be interested in them and their plight, and then at least be friendly towards them, not becoming an extinct species, you know, and help them out. And it also teaches you something about the world and an environment. And a, I mean, how many people have gone to Madagascar? Very few. So it teaches you something about the culture and the people there, and. They, you know, they sort of revere lemurs for the most part. Um, so anyway, I, I just feel like there's a real purpose to it. So 
And it's like humans, you know, we have boundaries too. We're we're not wild and free and can just go live in any house we want. <laughs> I just I just did a little research on bubbles and he, bubbles is still alive. That's why I'm saying you don't when someone will get someone like bubble, like a baby chimpanzee that can live 50, what a Six, 50 or 60. Yeah. They see. Or years. And then someone tires of them when they're 5 years old and then they go to some place that's not a great place with not great that's why i feel a huge responsibility with all my animals i feel like like i will not get any new lemurs i will not get baby lemurs because that you know i want to make sure that i can take full responsibility for the rest of my life and then you know let's say a person's 80 do you get a puppy that's a good question no well I, I think you don't. That's why I think if you're 80, you rescue a senior dog. It's not that you don't get an animal. You just, you rescue a dog that's 15, do you know? Right. Or you, there's always a solution if you want to have animals, but I'm not part of this crew that thinks, you know, you get, especially primates, you know, they're very intelligent. They're very social. Um, they can get upset, depressed. They can get sad, just like humans can. And they're not toys. Well, I have, I know people pretty well that will get a lot of animals like, like their toys. And they're, and if they don't work out, you know, for their kid, then they just give them away. And <laughs> then their kid gets, I know someone who got like five cats for their kid. And, you know, then he just then they weren't really the cat he wanted, and so then they had to find them homes. And you just, I don't, I don't like. I feel like if you take an animal on, you take it on for its life. And obviously, I never thought about taking something on for your life that may only be another twenty five years. <laughs> you know, I'm like, wait a minute, what? Now I've got to have mice as pets because they don't live that long. But then I thought, well, the squirrel might be good, but then. I mean, how long, what is the life expectancy of a squirrel in captivity? Let me look. Can you uh, look that up? Um, I was I was still going down the bubbles. Bubbles. Oh, you have to, don't talk about bubbles because it's too sad. And bubbles. Hideous. Like, where is bubbles? Bubbles actually is your neighbor. He lives like an hour and a half from you right now. He's down in Florida. Where? In Wakatula, the Great Ape Sanctuary. Okay, I'm going there. Center, for, the Center for Great Apes. Where is it? Wa Wa Walchula, Florida. I'm. Is that how far is that so from it's, Tampa? It's like an hour and a half. It says. There's, okay, I'm there. There's. I'm so going. Forty-seven, and they say bubbles is the reason it's. They make. Uh, they're able to uh, survive. Bubbles paints. <laughs> God. See, I don't know. Peep, dressing animals up in suits and having him do things. Like, I mean, if he likes it, I'm gonna go see. I'm gonna see him. <laughs> Myself, and then I'm going to report back in on what kind of life I think he has. Uh, it says that you know, I will say this about my lemurs. Now, listen to this. I've gone in zoos all over every place I've ever traveled to see what their compounds are like for their lemurs. Mine are better. There's only one exception. And they, if you can have a big island and have, you know, some lemurs on that island, that is a better, that's a better life for them. But my lemurs have as good of life as any lemurs I've ever seen in any country I've gone to. So I feel very proud of that. I, I, I give them 
anybody who lands in my yard with no teeth and has fallen <laughs> has a good chance of surviving. Unless they're a human. And then I'm like, no, nah, really. Get out of here. I'm going to take you to the emergency room and then like you're on your own. <laughs> uh, it says the life expectancy of a gray squirrel at birth is one to two years in captivity. No. It says the average lifespan of an adult is closer to six for a gray squirrel. In the wild, they can live 12 to 20 years. There you go. They could in captivity, too, if you took care of them. Yeah, most people, I guess. You're talking about a baby squirrel. Like, he wouldn't make it because he would get eaten. Potentially. But then when you say an adult, see? But let's say he could live, okay, so let's say average, 18 years old. Okay, so I'm 70, so I'll be 88. You still have, my squirrel. I mean, and, I, that, and, and that's fine with me, but I'm not going to be... 88 buying a new squirrel or find or buy or cut, getting a lemur I think or a the, dog. I would think the cutoff for a squirrel would be in about 10 years for you. You've got about 10 years to find more baby squirrels. Let's make a chart. Okay. <laughs> These are the okay, you're 90 years old, you love animals, all of yours have passed away. What animal are you what's good for you? I'd say a dog that's 13 or 17. Yeah. Yeah, we can, a cat. We can rescue a dog. That's fifteen. Yeah, and and senior pets. This it is no joke. Senior dogs and cats need and senior animals need to be adopted. So I think seniors on seniors. Yeah, I think you found a the, a perfect niche for for see how to adopt senior dogs is find other seniors. And That's then, right. Then you'd pair them. And if you're like ninety four, I think you visit animals of others. Oh, okay. But you could you could like have your daughter or son take care of them, but they're technically not yours. You just have visitation rights. Yeah, because let's say you bought a puppy and you were ninety four. Bad move. It's a bad move because and then your you know your kids are like, no, mommy, if when if you go, which you're never going to go, mommy, you know they are. Um, we'll take your dog. Uh, where? To the pound. No. <laughs> I don't trust. Uh, my kids don't have the same affinity for lemurs that I do. They just don't. I'm not sure so, many people do. Well, I, I mean, know a in lot all of people honesty. that do. They just aren't my relatives. Well, you'd have to find a specialist. I, I would have to. I'm I'm making a will right now, and I'm putting the lemurs in it, and I'm. I think the way it's going to go down is... I mean, I have a very cool house where the lemurs will all be housed. Oh. And it's like, you want this house? That's a tie-in. You live here until these animals naturally, and I will put naturally in big letters, die. So you don't like <laughs> have people. I mean, people kill people for wills. I mean, for inheritance. So they might off a turtle or a... I mean, my children wouldn't do that, but I'm sure they, they already think I'm nuts. Like, why don't you find a great zoo? And I'm like, why don't you find a zoo for your kids? <laughs> uh, you have dogs. You. you love your dogs. Why don't you just give them away? They're inconvenient. <laughs> oh, that's good. <clears throat> anyway, this is a, something to think about. And I anybody who's listening... Don't take an animal unless you want it for the life of the animal. Just don't. If you don't have enough money to feed it, but you're going to uh, find a way, shut up. Don't get an animal. And spay and neuter your animals. 
Just have another kid. <laughs> yeah, because they're so inexpensive. <laughs> I mean, look, if you didn't feed your cat, you'd get in some trouble. But if you didn't feed your kid, yeah. you'd be in right? You, you'd think. You never know. Thanks. You'd probably be in more trouble Tragic. for not feeding your dog, beating your dog, than you would your kid. Oh, you can beat your kid. Just don't beat your dog. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe not beat anything. Well, there's a couple of things you might want to beat, but not animals or people. Right. <laughs> now, okay, where were we? We never, <laughs> there's always, you know, it's like this road leaves, all roads lead to Rome. And instead of it taking us an hour to get to Rome, it takes us four days <laughs> because of our branches. We speak in branches. We branch off. We're tributaries. Anyway, bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Kirstie Alley on The Verge. Be sure to follow Kirstie on Twitter at Kirstie Alley. Follow the show's Twitter at KA on The Verge. Be sure to like, to listen, to subscribe anywhere you can listen to your podcasts. On Google, on Apple, and most importantly, Anchor.fm. You can become a monthly supporter on Anchor.fm like Denise. Denise, we appreciate your support. Until next time, we'll see you.